as a young man, actually as a child, um, we had a, a pastor or an evangelist, a missionary really in our life named Kirk. And he was old when I first met him. I mean, he knew my mom, my dad. He had a lot to do with uh, getting the church in Porcupine Plains, Saskatchewan, where my dad first pastored, met my mom there, uh, got it going. He was instrumental. And then he met my dad. They just became fast friends. And he would always uh, come in and uh, be a blessing in our church. He, he flew a little plane. And he always took the plane everywhere he went, a little two-seater, sometimes a four-seater. And uh, funny story, I remember him coming in one time to Porcupine Plains where my dad and mom were pastoring, and, and mom had four little boys. I mean, I, I think Manning was born 11 months after me and rock and roll. My other brothers were born, I think, just a year after her. So in something like uh, she would have been 20, 21, she had four boys. And uh, so he came in and uh, he noticed laundry, all the laundry that she had. And they didn't have a laundry mat in uh, Porcupine Plains at the time. So they had one in Tisdale. So here's what he did. Give me an example of this guy. I don't know why I'm telling this story. But he uh, loaded up all her laundry and her and uh, took her, flew her into Tisdale <laughs> so that she could go down to the laundromat, get all the laundry done in one, get, take every washer, take every dryer. It's kind of become this, this legend we tell, we talk about often of how this guy would always just be a blessing in our lives. But he had a, a very prophetic side to him. And he was a part of the North Battleford movement that took place in the 40s, uh, which was a real blessing to Canada. Of course, some people always take it out of bounds, but he had a dream that he would share with us. And I first heard it when I was a little boy. In this dream, he saw a giant. And this giant was laying across the prairie provinces in Canada. And it was dead. And the vultures were coming in and picking at it. And he said that when I saw this this giant laying there. It just looked dead. It was an awful look. Vultures were picking at it. And then he said, all of a sudden I saw it move. And he realized it wasn't dead. And this slowly got to its knees, then got to its feet. And then it began to receive new vigor and life vigor. And it began to walk across Canada. And the Lord spoke to him and said, that's my church. He said, in Canada, they think it's dead. And he says, the church is going to rise up. It's going to impact this nation. And it's going to go from this nation to the world. So, I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, cool. You know, I'm, I'm a kid. Woo. But then when God called us into ministry, and I spent 14 years pastoring with my mom and dad, who were both incredible pastors, and Sal and I were married, and then 10 years of that, we were together there. We began to develop this thinking, Sal and I, about something that we didn't know what to call it. And later on, uh, a church consultant who came here every year, Jack Weitzel, which many of you know, said, we need to call this something, because what God has shown you is very, very important. And it was called Spirit Contemporary. And it was really a way of sharing Christ, being a Christian, being cool, being contemporary, being real without compromising 
anything in the gospel. And so we would talk about this often. You know, why does a church need to be so religious? Why do Christians need to be so religious? Why do they need to be so judgmental? Why, what in the world? And so we'd begin to develop and think through what we, what we would do as senior pastors, and God brought us to Springs of Living Water Center. And uh, 1994, July 17th was our first service. And as we begin to share and put into work these principles, the church doubled the first year, the second year, the third year, the fourth year. It became so huge so quick we couldn't manage it properly. And I wouldn't, I would much prefer slower growth where, you know, the Bible says, I pray that you bear fruit and that your fruit remain. We we had no ability without proper leaders. We did our best. But this, this key of the gospel, because the power is in the gospel, Romans 1 says, we begin to share it in a way that just impacted people. And if this church has touched you and you're here, it'll probably be, as you begin to hear these messages on spirit contemporary, that you begin to realize this is what has made me go, yeah, I want to be a part of this church. As I began to speak, and the church was growing like crazy and, and impacting areas, and so I began to speak at conferences. And when I spoke at conferences, a lot of times, I think it happened eight times, somewhere between eight and ten times, I'd be at a conference full of pastors and world speakers, and, and we're sharing, and, and all of a sudden someone would just literally publicly say they had a word for me. And the word that they said was from God was always to leave Canada and to go to their country. So I've been called to India, Mexico, Africa, uh, other churches, other denominations. I even had a, uh, a person who just does public speaking business leadership stuff offer me a million dollars a year just to be a part of this secular con- I mean, it's so many things that tried to get me to move out of Canada. And then when I did speak at places outside of Canada, I was in awe of how the harvest, how, how the impact of what we would talk about would impact. The altars would be filled by pastors and leaders and such a stunning acceptance. And, and so there was this temptation that, you know, get out of Canada and, and get out to... But I knew in my heart that God had called us to Canada and that from Canada we would see something take place that would not only touch this nation, but would impact this world. And we're starting to see that now, the very beginnings of it, as the television, which is one of our main missions endeavor, is television, is in so many languages, in Muslim countries, in Spanish, English around the world. We're not talking social media. We're talking television stations coming out of Pakistan, uh, India, just everywhere. And we begin to see, and God began to do unique things, like instead of, you know, and I have no problem speaking around the world, and, and, but this was where we put the stake in the ground, was here in Canada. And over the years, we've watched Canada bring the nations of the world to us. In the mid-80s, and I, I don't know why we haven't done it since, but in the mid-80s later, not sorry, 80s, um, in 2008, 
uh, we did this study as to how many nations were represented in our church. And we had over 80, I think it was 87, uh, and different languages that were spoken. And we saw that God was doing something unique. He was bringing people with the same heart, the same passion, the same uh, go get them. He was bringing them here. And then together we would see God do things. They would begin to impact into their own countries from here. God was just doing very cool things. And I want to talk today about your faith. And I want to talk about your faith for the harvest. Faith has been taught for healing. Faith has been taught for finances. Faith has been taught for relationships. Faith has been taught for a lot of wonderful things. Nothing wrong with them. But did you know that you have to have a faith for the harvest? Meaning to reach out and share the gospel with people. One of the first verses that really impacted me as a new pastor was Psalms 2.8, where God says, ask me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Now, this is prophetically speaking about Jesus and his church. We're not to be this cowering, pathetic little backwoods group that Jesus has to come rescue. The church of Jesus Christ has been called to touch nations, and it's called to possess the nations of the world, meaning the message of Jesus impacting every nation, every language, and every religion. Jesus came to the planet to end all religions, all of them. Every religion out there is going to be trying to get to God or trying to get power in the spirit world or trying to please the gods or whatever that religion is doing. And Jesus didn't come to start a new religion called Christianity. He came to end all religions. People will often speak to us as Christians and say, you know, you guys need to just tone down your evangelism and just get along with every religion. We're not a religion. And we are here to end all religions, including Christianity for all the religious churches that just want to make new rules and judge people. This is a place where people can discover a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus himself said, people say, well, I like Jesus. I said, oh, you like Jesus? Oh, I, I hate organized religion. I said, I get you, me too. But aren't you a pastor? Yeah, but I'm not a pastor of religion. You're not? No, I'm a pastor who follows Jesus and trains and equips people to know him on their own and to follow him. And so he came to end religions. But Jesus Christ, he said, there is no other way to God except through him. I am the way. Didn't say I am one of the ways. I am some of the truth. And I am one of many kinds of life. No, 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 no. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And that's what makes following Christ and being a follower of Christ so different. It's not a religion. And Jesus, when he came, he came to end every world religion and give every nation and every tongue access to God. And the only way to get access to God is through the finished work of Jesus, giving him your life so that, you're, that you become a new creation, born again. And now you can fellowship with him every day. You have access to God. It's a stunning, amazing, incredible thing. Not religion. And so we need to understand that we have a job to do. That it says, ask me. Oh, we're supposed to ask him? Yeah. So 
as you've asked him to heal you, as you've spoken life to your finances and careers and your children and all the things God is doing for you, that's awesome, don't stop. But number one, do you have a faith for the harvest? Do you believe that wherever you go, that you can share the power of the gospel? You see, the gospel, according to Romans 1.16, is the power of God. That when you touch the gospel, the real gospel, not your religious watered-down version of it, but you touch and you share the good news. Gospel means good news. You share the good news, and the power of God shows up to heal, to set captives free, to, to release people from the cages and of imprisonment, but to heal broken hearts. The gospel is the power. And so we need to know that, in, and then when you look at Acts chapter 4, they are praying this prayer to God. When you go to Psalms chapter 2, see, much of the New Testament is a rewrite of the Old Testament. The Old Testament had its own agreement with God called the Old Covenant. Now, the New Testament, starting in the book of Acts and on, is a new agreement with God called the New Covenant. And so all of the Old Testament was prophesying about a Messiah, about someone who would come and defeat the enemy and his heel would be on his head and something would take place that would change the world as people could know him. And, and so this Jesus was talked about all through the Old Testament and hundreds of times in the New Testament, it quotes this Old Testament scripture and shows you where it fits in. So this one where it says, ask me and I'll give you the heathen for the inheritance and in the ends of the earth for your possession. And it goes on talking here in Acts chapter 4 and verse 23 to 31, for time's sake, I'm going to just grab the prayer that they prayed. I want you to check it out. You should be writing down or at least getting this message and going through it with your Bible so that you're growing in the things of God. But here's how they would pray in those days. It says, the nations rage, people plot vain things. The kings of the earth take their stand and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. We are on a hostile planet. Okay, it's not going to be just a Valerie, Valra, knapsack on my back. No, and Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But everybody's not going to go, you're awesome. Love you. No, there's a hostility from the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. But what's going on, this power balance, it's taking places to where people spend eternity. Where they spend eternity. So here they're praying and they said, Lord, take note of all that's going around here. And then it says, for truly against your holy... Well, let's go down to verse 29. Now, Lord, look at the threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Uh, just a minute. I think it was your boldness that speaks the word that got you into trouble. <laughs> Why are you praying for more boldness? Because the world wants you to be quiet. The world wants to have an opinion on everything, but they want you to be quiet. And there'll be new ways that they bring this argument in, like walk in love. Oh, walking in love is not saying a word about eternity without Christ. That's walking in love. And so the world has a way they want church to act. That's what you guys believe. Stay in your little four walls. Uh, just be quiet over there. And uh, we'll get along and just allow everybody to do what they want. And of course we do. But the Bible has told us 
that Jesus came to end religions, get people forgiven, to show them this Jesus that will that, that can come guarantee their eternity with him. And so we can't be silent. And so the early church prayed this way, Lord, take a look at the people around us who are messing with us and help us to speak even more bold. Wow, now they'd be praying for like safety. Lord, keep us safe and, and shut down that person. I strike him dead or however people are praying, I don't know. But, and, and Lord, take note and grant that we would be more bold. Now, then here's what's happened. Then they said, and stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders will be done at the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. Did you know that when you share the good news of Jesus, that he died for your sins, he's in love with you, he's going to give you, an incredible new life, and you learn to share this gospel with people that power follows the gospel. In fact, in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, as it talks about these signs are going to follow those who believe, and it lists all the signs, it says, and they went out preaching the word, and God went with them, confirming the word with signs following. There is something about believers sharing the good news of Jesus. And, and, and they're praying here and they're saying, Lord, help us to boldly say this. Now, this word boldly, I should talk about it because Paul talks in Ephesians 6 about boldness. And he says, oh, pray for me that I can speak boldly. And people think that means arrogantly, condescending, you know, just talking down on people. But that's not what the word boldly means. In fact, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 9 to explain how he uses this newfound boldness. He says, whoever I'm with, I share the gospel in a unique way just for them. When I'm with the Jew, I talk from that perspective. When I'm with the Gentile, I talk from that perspective. When I'm talking to somebody without law, I talk from a lawless perspective, even though I don't act that way. When I'm talking to someone who's with the law, I speak from that perspective. And, it says, and he talks about how he has learned to share the gospel in a way that reaches that person. That's wisdom. And so we need to understand that boldness does not mean that we are this, this arrogant, you know, person that is judging everybody else. No, that's why we always have someone share to be love, that we love, we accept, we forgive. This is crucial. And the Bible says when they got done praying that, that, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together, the place started to shake. And they were all filled with Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with all boldness. I'm going to come back to that word boldness. Let me show you a verse few people seem to have read or understood about the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 47 to 50. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is like being a Canadian citizen. You can be in Russia, you can be in America, but you're still a Canadian citizen, even if you're not in the country of Canada. Your citizenship remains. In fact, your passport is to make sure everywhere you go that they know you are a citizen of Canada. So the kingdom of God is not always talking about the place called heaven. So the Bible will use the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and it doesn't always mean. In fact, a lot of Jesus' teaching was the fact that you're in the kingdom before you go to heaven, and here's the benefits, and here's how to walk in his power in the kingdom of God. So verse 47 of Matthew 13, he says, Now the kingdom of heaven is like... Ooh. That's pretty special. He's about to share something that'll show you what the kingdom of God is like that we live in. 
He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net, a dragnet, that was cast into the sea, and it gathered every kind, which when it was full, they drew the net to the shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but the bad they threw back. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This story, this parable from Jesus set me free. Because as a pastor, I kind of had developed this thinking that it was my job to clean everybody up. You want a nervous breakdown? Just try that one. And I recognized that when they cast the net, which the gospel calls, you cast the net of the good news of Jesus, and you draw in all of these fish, it says they would go through them, but then it says there are those fish amongst them that the angels will deal with at the end of time. In other words, it's not your job to have discernment and catch everybody doing something wrong. The church cops. Oh, 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 row 42, three from the left. There's no row 42. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Oh, I just discerned that there's some sin there. Oh, shut up. No one made you the church cops. And we are to love each other, accept each other, and forgive each other. Within this, he has got his... Amen. Give Jesus a hand. That doesn't mean that anybody just walks in and you can teach our kids regardless of what you believe. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about the fact that the church of Jesus Christ is a place where the word of God is taught. And it's taught generation to our kids, our teens. To sing. It's, just, it's taught. And as people hear the word of God, and if their desire is to know Jesus and to grow in him, the Bible teaches us that when you know the word, it brings freedom. And that you become disciplined in the word of God. Now, there are those who won't. There's going to be people who will be in our midst who are going to lie, cheat, and steal. How do I know I'm the pastor? Deal with it all the time. And you know what? You do your best to protect and keep going. But God will eventually deal with this. So it's not my job to judge everybody's heart. And just, no, it's my job to teach the word. Now, the fivefold ministry, which are called by God, uh, their job is to teach the word of God. And people who desire to grow and learn, hear the word, it gets planted in their heart. And they begin to grow. So heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is like a dragnet. Now, this dragnet means they would cast this huge net between two boats, and they would just take this net through a shoal of fish if they could, and they'd drag it towards the shore, and they'd pull it up, and they'd catch. And so the church of Jesus Christ, everything we do is to reach out and capture people with the beauty of Jesus, to let them see what it's like to know him. And people begin to come to Christ because we let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. You weren't called to be secret service. You were called to be out front. Now, Jesus is teaching us in John chapter 4. He's saying, stop saying there's four months and then comes the harvest. Jesus said, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are already white unto harvest.
What does that mean? In Jesus' time, and he also said, pray. We don't have enough laborers. In those days when vineyards and olives and, and things would come to harvest time, this is a time you'd need helpers. And they would go to the center of town and they would hire everybody they could to come help them with harvest because harvest was the most expensive time. Harvest is where, I mean, you could just watch it and it would just rain and sunshine and, and it just grows. But now harvest time requires a lot of manual labor. And so Jesus says, look at the people in this world. They are white right now. By that I mean they are, they are mature. They are harvestable. This harvest is ready. Now pray for laborers to go into the harvest fields. So let me say something to you. You know, we often talk about sharing Christ with people. And that when you share the word with people, that they would literally, uh, the word of God would plant in their heart and, and they would grow. But the Bible talks about Lift up your eyes, look on the harvest fields, they're white into harvest. And then it talks about in another scripture that there are people that you've never labored to share Jesus with them, but they're ready to accept Christ. And you will share in the labor of someone who spent time. I'll give you a story. My dad, as a pastor, came from a Roman Catholic family. And uh, that does not mean that Roman Catholics don't know Christ. Actually, it doesn't matter what denomination you go to. There isn't Roman Catholic uh, Boulevard in heaven and Pentecostal Way and Baptist Avenue and, and, you know, and Lutheran Highway. Now, none of those names mean anything. It all comes down to, do you know Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? And some denominations and some churches in denominations don't share that with people. And uh, so I remember one time, well, I'll get Going. So my dad and I were flying in to Edmonton because his sister had passed away. And my dad had spent his whole life witnessing to his aunts, his uncles, his cousins about Christ. And there was a real pushback and sometimes anger from some of them as he would just share this new relationship he'd found with Christ. But he never stopped. He would just share. Every time he went up there, mom would tell me he would make sure and visit his older aunts and uncles. When they went into the old folks' homes, he would go in there and just love on them and say hi and visit and talk. And, and so when we came in for his sister's funeral, this was 2002, January, it would have been two months before my dad passed away and went to be with Jesus here in the parking lot. And uh, we got off the plane, we went to the funeral home where everything was, and I began to meet all these uncles and aunts that, you know, we kind of, when we would go out there, we'd meet with grandpa and grandma, but I never really spent time or got to know many of his aunts and uncles and cousins. And so they're all wonderful people. They're his family. But remember the first uncle that I met, he had, I mean, you'd think he brushed his teeth with gunpowder. He was always shooting off at the mouth, swearing, you know. And uh, so first guy I met, dad says, oh, Leon, come here. I want you to meet my uncle, so-and-so. And, and so I put my hand out and he goes, I know who the beep, 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 beep this guy is. Do you guys know what beeps mean? Okay. So, and my dad says, yeah, of course you know. No, I watch him on TV all the time. And I went, oh, and my dad was kind of shocked. His mouth was kind of dropped. And, and I said, oh, uncle, then do you pray the prayer at the end of each? Every week, you blankety-blank bet I do. You're the only blankety-blank guy that makes sense on TV. So here's this guy that my dad has spent his lifetime 
being a good example, sharing the word, planting the word. And we went through, I think, around 14 people that dad kind of had this mental list. And he wanted to make sure they made heaven, that they knew Jesus. And in one day, we found out that all that work he had done laboring to plant the seed, I had effortlessly harvested it. Now, here's something I want to say to you. Can you give Jesus a hand? There are people all around you that someone has shared with, that someone has prayed for. It could be an aunt. It could be a great-grandma. It could be a neighbor. God has prepared them. Now, some of the time when you meet people, you'll get a chance to just be an example and share the good news of Jesus and the word will get planted and someone else will harvest it. But there are people where Jesus said the harvest fields are ready right now. And you don't even know the person. Now, my dad was amazing at this. I mean, I've heard so many stories and I've been with him through so many stories. One of the stories was he was in a hospital with one of our young men and, and they were late for an appointment. So they did a bunch of visiting and then they're walking like crazy to make it to their next appointment. And he walks by this guy in the hospital sitting in a wheelchair with his back against the wall, just watching people. And he, he said, dad just walked, pastor can't just walk right by and he just stops. Like he'd heard something from God. He turned around and he knows he's got no time. He walks over to the guy like this and he says, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I can pray that prayer with you. And he goes, would you? Yes. Why is that so easy? Because he partnered with whoever had shared Christ. Maybe it was television. Maybe it was a mom. Maybe it was a dad. Maybe it was a wife who's gone to be with Jesus. But he was, his, the harvest was ready. You know when you pick apples? And you got a green one, you can yank on the branch and it doesn't come off until you break the whole bough off. But if it's red and the harvest is ready, you just grab that apple, just a quarter of it turns and drops in your hand. There are people everywhere around you who are ready to accept Christ. If you would just notice, Jesus said, the harvest fields are ripe everywhere around you. Do you know that in the, that 2,000 years ago, you know, that harvest field would be how many people? Today, with the billions of people on the planet, how many people are ripe unto harvest? So you have to do two things. Yes, share this good news. Be an example to your neighbor. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and begin to look into Jesus. Glorify the Father who is in heaven and want him because of what he does in your life. How you walk in love and joy and forgiveness and long-suffering and etc. This Jesus within us should be the most attractive force. So do that. Live that way. But do not be afraid to close the deal. At all you salespeople who are here, you know what I'm talking about. You know, and I remember years ago when I was studying sales and they would talk about features and benefits and how to sell somebody on the product that you believe in. And they, there was a guy named Judd Ziegler. And he was considered one of the best closers in the business. And he had an entire series called Timid Salesmen Have Skinny Kids, meaning you don't have enough food the house. You're not making it. And it was all about closing. Did you know you need to stop being embarrassed about offering people to lead them in a prayer to know Christ? All around you are people 
There's tons that you're meeting them every day that they've looked into it a little bit. Their heart is ready. They've checked out things. They know the way their life is living. They go to bed at night. They feel empty. They've got a good marriage. They've got okay kids. They've got an okay career. But there just feels like this vacancy in their life. And you'll be guided by God as to how to share with them. But God is in love with people. And there are people around you who are ready right now. There's some you'll need to just share. But there's some that if you'll have the boldness and the courage, we call it spiritually alive, but contemporary and relevant, and the wisdom just to say, hey, you know, could I lead you in the prayer that changed my world? They'll look at you and say, yes. And you'll know the joy. You see, every believer should know the joy of praying with someone like I often do on many of our services. And just say, pray this prayer. Mean it from your heart. It's a choice that you make. And people will accept Christ. And so the fields are ripe unto harvest. Jesus said, pray for laborers. Isn't that bad? You see, if a laborer does not go into the fields, the harvest is wasted. The grapes fall on the ground. You know, it comes past the time. And so there are these moments of time in everyone's life when they're open. Maybe they lost a loved one. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe their pride in themselves has taken a hit and they're more open. And if someone would just be kind and loving, but share what changed your life. Share your story of what Christ means to you. You could literally every day, every week, meet new people, make new friendships, not to join a new religion, but to find access that Jesus gives us to heaven. The Bible says very clearly, there's one requirement. You need to have a faith. You need to take the limits off God for to reach the people around you. Can you take the limits off God to reach your family? Can you take the limits off God to reach your neighbors? There's only one requirement, just one. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. Me? You. Well, no, you're talking about Jesus. Nope, talking about you. doesn't say Jesus, it says you. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Let your light which is Jesus. So shine before men, Matthew 5, 16, that they see something about you, your good works, and they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The church of Jesus Christ is here. If you are a follower of Christ, you've been given a mission. Let your light so shine before men that they'll see the good works Jesus is doing through you and speak up and let them know, I can help you know the Jesus that has changed my world. I can help you know the Jesus that took us through our marriage difficulties. I can help you know the Jesus that helped me when I felt so empty and broken. I can help you know, and you just learn to share. It's so easy, it's so beautiful. And when you share the gospel, the power of God is all over you. Not your rendition of the gospel. When you share on behalf of Christ, the presence of God. I don't know how many people that I've shared with, and they put on this, Thank you. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad you found faith. Good for you. Yep. And away they go. And then whether it's a year, a month later, I run into the person and says, I couldn't forget the words that you spoke. They came to me during the night seasons. I woke up thinking about the things you said. And I want you to know I've made a decision for Christ. 
So let's recognize that you've been given faith as a believer. And this faith is for the harvest. It literally means people who are now ready to say, I'd like Jesus in my heart. Would you bow your heads with me as we close my message today? I'm going to just close with that prayer. There's a prayer that we lead people in, and it's basically you making a choice to accept Christ. No one can do it for you. It's a decision only you can make. But I'm going to have our entire auditorium pray this prayer with us. But if you're here and you're going, Leon, I need Jesus in my heart. Please include me when you pray. Today, I want to give my life. I want to get right with God. If that's you, just you folks, would you open your eyes and all over the auditorium, give me a quick wave. Just saying, Leon, include me today. Thank you. Thank you. Others, just include me today. I want to give my life to Christ. All across the auditorium, lift your hands and give me a quick wave till I see it. Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others, a quick wave. See ya. Thank you. Others. Thank you, ushers. Thank you. Thank you. For those who are watching right now, just pray this prayer with all these amazing people making this life-changing decision. And let's all of us out loud pray this prayer with them. Are you ready? Just say, Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. He paid the price. Qualified me to be in your family. So Jesus, come into my heart. I choose you from today and on in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's how potent, powerful, amazing that is.